does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. This morning on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Breaking news, ESPN's Adam Schefter is reporting the Colts have given all-pro running back Jonathan Taylor permission to seek a trade. It's not like they're looking to just unload him. The Colts have just spent half a year telling Jonathan Taylor he's not worth the money. All right, so there you go. Uh, That's the news on a Tuesday. Jonathan Taylor can go find himself. He and his agent uh, that Greg Doyle really doesn't like. I don't know if he read his piece, KB, or not uh, this morning, last night. So we'll continue to have the conversation here uh, on the fan as Jonathan Taylor can go find himself a trade partner. We can find out more about that injury and everything else. It is the fan, 93.5107.5. Now, how long is this clip now? You guys spoke with... Field eights uh, from ESPN, yeah. maybe maybe a month ago, maybe three weeks ago. Yeah, it was a little bit less than that. It was whenever, 10th. yeah, I was going to say just a couple weeks ago. Whenever Jake was up at the Bruce Springsteen concert, Mark um, filled in, and we had Field Yates on to close out the show. So, you know, just typically how this show operates—that nine forty-five segment, not a ton of listeners there uh, at the end, and that's when we add Field Yates on, but. I trust Field nationally. I feel like he's got a great pulse on things nationally, and so I just wanted to gauge, all right, what is compensation? What is a realistic trade package? Because we know the Christian McCaffrey won last year. Midseason, Christian McCaffrey from Carolina to San Francisco for a second, third, a fourth, and a fifth. Now, I think there are some stark differences between Christian McCaffrey as a player and his contract and Jonathan Taylor as a player and certainly his contract. They're also are some similarities, or you could honestly make the statement that Jonathan Taylor, and I know it's murky right now, but his injury situation doesn't look like Christian McCaffrey's injury situation. So, again, I I, I think there are some you can align with, some of these situations you necessarily don't add up in in, in the same exact manner. Um, But I wanted to get Field Yates' thoughts on that before we play this clip. Again, Stephen Holder is going to join us coming up at 8. He reported yesterday the Colts are seeking a first-round pick in return for Jonathan Taylor or a trade package that you know adds up to a first-round pick. So given all of that, here was Field Yates with us a couple weeks back on what he thinks a realistic trade package would look like for Jonathan Taylor. I don't know if this is because we've seen trades that have had conditions uh, executed uh, recently. Obviously, the Carson Wentz trade is one of them. We have the Aaron Rodgers trade. But that seems to be the consistent theme, is that it's been all over the board. I've had teams that have told me, hey, listen, if I'm going to trade a guy and have to pay him $18 million a year, I've had people in the front office that say, like, I'm not giving more than a fourth-round pick. You're paying double freight there, right? The draft pick plus the contract. And I'm not even sure the contract is the right way to go, given the fact that running backs these days are so replaceable. I've had others that have told me, hey, if you want this guy bad enough, uh, because you think he is the, the over-the-top piece, the guy that can take you from good to great or great to elite, elite to the Super Bowl favorites, it's got to be something like a third-round pick with conditions. If this guy, uh, if, if Jonathan Taylor rushes for 1,500 yards or if Jonathan Taylor and the team that he gets traded to make it to the conference championship game, whatever the conditions are, maybe you're willing to boost things up to a second-round pick I've not heard a first-round pick, which should be a surprise to absolutely nobody. And because I've I've asked the same question 
that you just presented about, like, how does the Christian McCaffrey trade factor into things? And the reality was that it uh, was a much more unique situation. We were in the middle of the season, so your your, your clock was a little shorter. Uh, beyond that, the 49ers did feel like um, when, in acquiring Christian McCaffrey, they were kind of getting him at a bit of a value because of the fact that for the, I believe it was, three years remaining for CMC, maybe four years, uh, three and a half, I guess, based off of when he was traded last year. It was like a three and a half year for like $36, $37 million, which is probably different than what I think Jonathan Taylor would want right now over the next three or four years, right? He's probably looking for $15, $16 million per year to be paid as the highest paid running back uh, in the NFL. Um, I, I, I think that the Colts... Um, probably need to be maybe fans more so than the team because they're they're aware of the landscape um, i think probably prepared for like less than what you might think when you if you had you know three months ago in a bar mentioned the idea of trading jonathan taylor in, in a group of friends like you'd be thinking you know full freight i want the moon right i want a great young player and picks now i think the uh, the landscape is decidedly different both because of the nasty public nature of the situation and then also the fact that the running back market is just so not exactly sure what the word is right now other than devalued but you've got great players that are or guys that have had great careers that are still available on the free agent market in part because they're waiting for that big contract to come and i'm not so sure it's anything close to inevitable okay andy i thought that was interesting from field mm-hmm. yates again a couple weeks ago with us that that mccaffrey trade again a second third a fourth and a fifth when i first thought about what the Colts should try and seek out for Taylor. I took out the third and fifth, and I said a second and a fourth. That was my original thought. The more that I put some thought into that, I thought to myself, boy, that is lofty. I, I just, it, <laughs> second and fourth you seems think? very unrealistic. And, you know, to Field's point, a third, I, I would say yes and do it. Now, the McCaffrey thing I think is interesting to point out because. He plays on third down. He's pretty much a hybrid wideout. Taylor's not that. He was under contract for, I think it was three more years when San Francisco made that trade. Obviously, Taylor's situation is not that. But I think a big difference between the two is the injury history. And yes, Taylor's dealing with something right now, clearly. But that is one injury that caused him to miss six games. If you look at Christian McCaffrey, I almost forget this. And I don't know, maybe it's because he played in Carolina. And he played 10 total games. No, he's injured all the time. In 2020, 2021. Yeah. If you look at his injury history, he had five separate injuries in 20 and 21 that forced him to miss. Each of those injuries forced him to miss at least four games. He missed 13 games in 2020. 13. I mean, we're talking multiple ankle ailments. We're talking a shoulder, a hamstring, a glute. Yeah. I mean, we're talking a variety of injuries with him that has forced him to miss a lot of time. So that's where... If you're looking for a bit of optimism in what the Colts might get in return, I think that is a little bit of it. There's not much in this, but there is a little bit in that. Field Yates said a third with conditions. Do you think that's realistic? I, I think that would be a lot more realistic than McCaffrey. I'm, I'm glad you guys didn't kind of tag team and go, oh, yeah, I mean, I mean McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor is going to get that. I, no, I don't think no, that's no, no. the case. Do you believe in NFL circles? People believe that McCaffrey's better than Taylor. Well, he, he's modern. You know, sure, I mean, he's he, a hybrid. He, yeah, I mean, he he is a 
pretty much a wide. It's why him and Alvin Kamara make more money than Derrick Henry. You know, if you look at the financials of their base salaries and what Henry's twelve and a half a year, and I think McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara are north of fifteen. It's because you have that element of a running back and a wideout. It's why Naheem Hines last year netted a fifth in Zach Moss. Right now, you are saying you'd be surprised at a third. I, I think that's as high as you're probably going to go. Okay, right? let's just do, do, we agree on that for the most part, don't we? Let's just pause right there. So if a third is too high, let's say it's a fourth. Imagine saying that Naheem Hines goes for a fifth in Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor goes for a fourth. Right. Isn't that kind of crazy though? Yeah. To say, and I understand why you say that. And again, there's a contract and an injury element you have to factor in. But Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines are in two different stratospheres as football players. So that is just the unusual element to all of this and how running backs are valued. Teams. Give us some teams that you think would even be a possibility. I think there's one in the AFC I feel decent about and one in the NFC that I feel like is a little bit more of a long shot. Okay, well, who are they? I kind of want to know now. You piqued my interest. To hell with me. Well... What I thought was interesting last night, the AFC team that I first thought of, it ended up being reported later in the night that they do have some interest in Jonathan Taylor, and that's the Miami Dolphins. If you look at their offense right now, what is missing is kind of that that lead back. Is a star running back, and, and then on top of it, they are a team uh, that is like, hey, we need to we need to win, and we need to win now. And you're not paying Tua insane money yet, so you you still are in a decent. They aren't in a great cap situation, but they could finagle some stuff there. And they will and they will make some make some moves. Yeah, uh, I mean, they, they've done they that did the twice. Trade to Bradley Chubb they've done last that twice year. on defense here uh in the last so ever many months. Now I did tweet out last night if you remember, they don't have a third this year. Yeah, that's forfeited, Because right? of the tampering charge and they don't have a fourth because of the Chubb trade last year. Uh the next year they would have in 2025, they would have a full war chest if you will. First, second, third, fourth and everything else. Uh I think you have to look for a team uh, like that, I don't know. Do you, do we both feel? Does everyone here feel like it's going to be a team that's going to be a good team? Well, see, that's not a bad team. That's where I do differ on the two teams that I mentioned. One more thing to point out: I think about the Dolphins and Barry Jackson, who covers the Dolphins, had this last night. He pointed out specifically the Dolphins are intrigued by the age of Jonathan Taylor, and I think again that is a sure. difference with Christian McCaffrey. Hundred percent, hundred percent, about three years younger. And in three years as doggy, I mean, that is, what, 15 years when you're talking about running backs and how they can have a steep decline with that. And they also mentioned the big playability. You know, when you think of Mike McDaniel and that offense in general, whether it's Tyreek Hill, whether it's Jalen Waddle, they want to create the big, big plays. And that's where, obviously, Taylor, that to me is what separates him from other running backs in the league. Now, on the flip side, I go over to the NFC. And again, this team is in no win-now mode whatsoever. But their head coach was on the Colts staff with Jonathan Taylor, and seemingly they will be in the Caleb Williams-Drake-May market next year. So do you want to try and pair that quarterback with a young running back for those early years? That's kind of my thought process here in Indy. Mm -hmm, Right. And have some support there, and that would be the Arizona Cardinals. Now, again, it would be very out of character from a win-now standpoint for them, but they have the couple of first-round picks 
They have the cap space. James Conner is getting up there in age and has battled injuries. So that is the team with Jonathan Gannon as their head coach, who, of course, was on the Colts staff when Jonathan Taylor made his entry in, in the NFL and, and obviously had some, you know, has made a strong impression on the Colts right away. That was the other NFC team that I threw out there. Do the Bears do anything for you I, in, in all of this? I might let Mark Dykton speak to this, but. I, I would venture to guess Mark would say no. I would say no. I mean, they let David Montgomery walk and go to the Lions. Yeah, for three for what eighteen something like yeah. that. And yeah. so, so they're they're in the three headed monster situation where they'd rather go with three running backs as opposed to one. I can't see that they're finally going to have back to back. You know, a, a two number one picks and you're going to trade one for Jonathan Taylor and pay him. I know you have the salary cap space, but that that would make zero sense to now me. Now would Eberflus like Jonathan Gannon say this is a different guy I mean this is a this is a guy that I think would whatever support Justin Fields and Chase Claypool's banged up and and I well the only just flip, try to play devil's advocate yeah I mean the he, only the only flip could I, I just don't see there's I don't I don't see there's any chance that they put theirs or the Carolina first round pick right maybe not the it. first but do they feel more comfortable about saying let's package a third a fourth and a sixth and maybe. then you know we can trade back out of round one and recoup you maybe know, but that. only because of the relationship that Eberflus might have with with Jonathan Taylor and stuff but I mean you just spent money on running backs and you're gonna have Justin Fields contract coming up and Darnell Mooney so you've got big big kind of money contracts coming up for the Bears that the Colts have similarly where they have to have some big decisions coming up I can't imagine that they're gonna throw that kind of money at a running back now uh, I'm with you guys. I think the the Bears are only interesting because of, yes, the connections. They have the money, and they're one of those teams that, you know, at some point here, you got to get going, right? Sure. When you yeah. have head coach and you well, have GMs. is in a massively critical year. Yeah, you're in yeah. you're in this situation to where, yes, you, you do have some running backs. I know they drafted. You know, I understand. Uh, but Jonathan Taylor would be above and beyond if they, if they did that. Listen, I just – one thing I want to get – to later is it or Indiana are Colts fans going to remember Jonathan Taylor like are you guys going to have a smile on your face Jonathan Taylor if you get a haul from him if you get a fourth and a fifth you're going to look yeah. at what Chris Ballard has done in the fourth and fifth rounds and say, we got rid of Jonathan Taylor for a guy who might play offensive line, you know, who might be a swing offensive lineman for a couple years around here, right? Yeah, I, I, it, Jonathan Taylor is a great player. I think he's been a great player here, but this just goes to the position he plays, Andy. The the return on investment you've gotten as a team. I mean, you haven't won a division title. Right. You haven't won a playoff game. Again, he'd be exiting before the end of his rookie contract, and to your point, you'd be getting a couple high day three picks out of it. Like that's just a bummer. It, it, and I said this quite often over the last few weeks, and this is where I'd love to give some truth serum to Chris Bauer, Jim Mercer, etc. You don't draft guys in the second round if you're going to bail on them before the end of their rookie contract. Yeah. So why? Why? Why did Jim Irsay hop on a Zoom in 2020 during the COVID draft and tell Chris Ballard, "You're infatuated with Jonathan Taylor. Trade up for him." Why? If you're going to do this, and again, I know it's hard to predict the future and all that, but to me, when you're spending the 40th or whatever pick he was, the 40th overall pick on a guy, he's right there on the side of Lucas Oil Stadium for a reason. <laughs> right there, I mean, he's the first one you see coming. You got to take that down. Coming yeah. from the airport, I-70 <laughs> Southwest corner, he is right there. If you're going to do that, you expect him to be up there for six to eight years. You don't expect him to be up there. Who do you for, replace him with? For who, three years. who goes up if Taylor uh, if Taylor comes down? Don't you just Who's th- even on Lucas Oil right now? So can besides you, can him, you, can you name the four, Mark? Can I name the four? Yeah. Jonathan Andy? Taylor, DeForest Buckner, either of you, Quentin Nelson, and 
Shaq Leonard. Now I was going to say Shaq. Look at yeah. that. Mark there you Dyke go. I'd only it. drive past it every single day and see. Well, if he was just he yet. was just down there live so, live tweeting the Colts preseason <laughs> game the other day. Uh, so the Taylor about off Richardson. And, uh, Anthony Richardson on. <laughs> I, I would say I mean, so. Yeah, you think it's easy? Premature for Richardson. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. Maybe this year. Make I, I'm well. Everything's when premature it. for Richardson. He started 13 games. He played what 20 snaps in Buffalo, and you made him the starting quarterback. Let me throw one more team at you. Okay. And this is all due to their head coach, and for some reason, I just feel like this head coach has a persona or has a, I'm in the building right now, I run everything here. And it's arguably the best division in football. It's a quarterback that just had an awful first season with them, and I'm purely thinking full-on resurrection mode, full-on new head coach coming out of the TV booth, let's do something a little crazy. What about the Broncos? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, they had injuries last year at the at, at the running back position. Yeah, Javante right? Williams. I know they've drafted high halfway he's through off, the season. What, an ACL, yeah, yeah. And uh, it would be quite the move. But Sean Payton seems to have some flash, some pizzazz. Russell Wilson, of course, major breaking point in the rest of his career. You would think this twenty twenty three season. You're in a division where if you can't score, you ain't competing at all. So that was another team that. I don't think they've got gobs of the cap space and gobs of the draft picks and all of that, but that was another one that, as I was scanning the league, I'll be totally honest with you, Andy, I started scanning the league, though, and I'll go back to the double freight phrase that Field Yates uses, draft picks and money. It's hard for me to come up with about more than four teams. Well, I was going to say, how many teams are we talking about? And, and so you said four. I was wondering what's the what's the over under there on teams. Have I missed anybody? Like, no, I mean, I mean again, listen, four. Maybe well, Dolphins, maybe Cardinals, maybe Bears, maybe Broncos, and that's why. Again, I I really value Stephen Holder and trust his opinion. He's been saying all along that he thinks there is a market out there, and when I hear market, I hear multiple teams. Oh, so sure. You if have there to. are multiple teams and you're Chris Bauer, you're doing backflips. How how different is this if this is a couple weeks ago and Dalvin Cook has not been signed yet? See, I don't think... And he was just on a one-year deal. He's older. I know, but I don't know if him and Zeke apply to this. Well, Zeke, absolutely. Zeke's washed. Zeke da- is washed, Dalvin yeah. Cook is not washed. There's a, few, there's a few years left, productive years. Zeke Elliott is a second, third, third string running back for me. But cal- counter to the Dalvin Cook, uh, coming off shoulder surgery, he's got a domestic violence issue yeah. that still is unresolved, and what, he's 27, 28? Again, I know... You know, 24 to 27, 28 might not seem like a lot. It's a lot when you're talking about a running back. To me, with all this running back dominoes, I've always gone to Josh Jacobs. What happens with him? Because mm-hmm. he's the 25-year-old. He's the one that hasn't gotten to the second contract like Taylor, right. whereas Zeke and Dalvin Cook have. But I think you do bring up a good point, Andy. Where teams are going to have hesitancy in giving the war chest, to use a phrase that you used earlier, for Jonathan Taylor Look at the 2024 free agent running backs. And this is where the Taylor camp is going to struggle. If you look ahead to what is there in 2024, you've got Derrick Henry. You've got Josh Jacobs. Mm -hmm. You've got Tony Pollard. You've got your guy. Saquon, yeah. Saquon, and maybe I'm... Am I allowed to say (laughs) your guy? I just assume as a Giants fan, you are a fan of this. If they they would have moved on from him, and you know, it it would not have broke my heart. But yes, they they made a sweetheart deal, something the Colts decided not to do. 
Yeah, they gave him some more money. Right. I mean, he was on the franchise tag, but they did give him some money. Hey, if you hit these escalators, you're going to get some cash. And that's something that Tom Pelissero from NFL Network, and I know we can maybe get to that a little bit later, he's brought up about do you almost pay Taylor the franchise tag a little early and by that, you give him the one-year extension. I know it's not exactly what the Giants did with Barkley, but you're sweetening things this year. You see how this year plays out, and then you say to him, if things go well, that's what I we'll wanted. talk con- contract extension. Right. That, that's why I was not trade his ass, because everyone's been that. Barkley? No, well, I mean, Barkley, but also Jonathan Taylor. Uh-huh. Could they do something like that with Jonathan Taylor? But that's not the same, because both sides are dug in here, where that was not the case in New York. Barkley was not dug in. He tried to talk tough. He wasn't. And the Giants obviously needed him. And they weren't dug in nearly as much as seemingly Jim Irsay is. Again, I thought it is a smart decision by the Colts to let Jonathan Taylor see what is out there. If nothing else, um, you're letting him see it himself. Hey, man, if you think you're worth a lot, go out there and see what you are worth. Um, But again, for me, the news last night, uh, smart. If you aren't willing to extend or you don't want to extend him this is what you should do see what is out there on your end let taylor see what's out there and then um, make a decision off of that on the other side steven holder from espn.com again he's been all over this um he had the report of the colts seeking out a first round pick or a compensation package that would add up to a first round pick yeah, 8 o'clock hour rolling along. Call with KB and Andy <laughs> on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Oh, goodness. Sorry, I was premature there. First you guys, You guys can say that. What a great outro by you and an intro by me. There we <laughs> yeah, go. Exactly. Professional radio uh-huh. on the fan here. So that's why we're 22nd in the mid-market rankings. <laughs> You've mentioned that uh, uh-huh. like three times already yeah. in a day and a I've half. I've got a plaque on my desk if you haven't seen Do it Do you really? Uh-huh. Uh, hanging out in the DriveHubler.com studios. Uh, wake up call. Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, Mark Dykton hanging out with you. Uh, we got you to uh, 10 o'clock today as we continue to... To react, analyze, and everything in between the Jonathan Taylor situation. Yesterday was Anthony Richardson. Why did he not play uh, in the preseason game? And obviously now, uh, JT, as that news uh, became official around 6 o'clock yesterday. Uh, let's get him going. Stephen Holder, the great Stephen Holder, who I have not met yet, who I'm very excited to meet. But uh, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. Stephen's from ESPN, and he joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Stephen, Good morning. How are you, my man? I'm doing well, uh, but we will see what today brings. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's uh, this has been a saga, and it uh, it seems like here in the next few days, hours, weeks, whatever it may be, we may get some finality to it all. Uh, you believe, you tweeted as much, Stephen, last night. You believe there absolutely is a market. What do you think that market looks like for Jonathan Taylor as we sit here moving into late August? Yeah, I mean that's that's the more complicated question. It's still materializing. You know, do I think the Colts will get a first round pick? No, I don't believe that'll happen. Uh, but I I also think we all understand that's a starting point. You know, that's how these things work. And so uh, the Colts understand that this is not likely to lead to them getting exactly what they want. And ultimately. If, if they want a resolution here, everyone wants a resolution, everyone involved, and even us who aren't involved. We all want a resolution. And so it does potentially provide them an opportunity to get out of this situation. I mean, at the end of the day, they, even, if they, even if we sit here and we tell ourselves the Colts have all the cards, 
and, and I get that. Ultimately, what they have is a very good and very popular player who doesn't want to be there and has publicly, well, no, not publicly, but has made that very clear, I guess, through various various ways. So that problem doesn't go away if you decide you don't like the deal. You still have that issue you have to contend with. And so ultimately, they have to keep that in mind here, I think, and, and at least make a concerted effort to find a deal if, if a good one materializes. Steven, do you think there's any element from the Colts that's saying, hey, Jonathan, you go see the market? Like, you think there's this robust market for yourself? Here you go. Go see it and come back to us. Yeah, there's there's a lot of people have asked that question. I, I think it's a good question and a fair, a fair question. I, I think for the Colts, um, I, I just don't know that it accomplishes anything ultimately other than to say we were right and you were wrong. It still doesn't necessarily solve the problem, even if they they feel like they end up with the moral high ground. You know what I mean? Because that may well happen. It may well it may well be that 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 Jonathan Taylor and his agent go out there and, and try to try to to land a deal and and none really materializes not one that the Colts would accept that is absolutely possible here uh, particularly given the time of year given the marketplace when it comes to to running backs all of that's possible right I, all I'm saying though is if that ends up being the case, I mean, do we really think Jonathan Taylor just comes in and just says, all right, never mind, everything's fine? I don't know. I just find that hard to believe. I don't think it ultimately solves the problem. I still think you have an issue on your hands, uh, a player who who you did not engage with you know, contractually, and that problem still exists. They're not going to sign him to a contract, a, a lesser contract or something. So I don't know. I, it's a fair question, and, it, and, it, and maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't think it solves their problem, even if that outcome happens. Yeah, I guess the only thing would be uh, finally Taylor sees reality. Okay, this is what right. my actual market is, which again, I who Absolutely. knows, Cl- clearly his team thinks that there's something out there. This is more of a logistical question, and I don't know, maybe it's simply like, oh, you just bring him off the pup list if you do it. Can he be traded while he is on the pup list? And I guess the other question would be, if the Colts are letting him seek out a trade, I would assume the Colts are then willing to show whatever team has interest, the medical files, if you will, on Jonathan Taylor? Hmm. As to whether he can be traded on pub, I, I feel like I should know that answer, but I actually don't think I'm 100% sure. <laughs> I I think you probably can. Um I mean, look, and you can easily bring him traded. off the pup list to to trade him. Like, let me let me be you be could. clear. That's that that's not some major hindrance. I guess more yeah. to the medical no, part listen, is what I'm curious about. Look, look, Calvin Ridley was traded while he was suspended last year. You know, so um, that's something that's maybe a comparison to show that yeah. I, I think as long as you're an active player, maybe you can be traded. I, I presume. Um, as for uh, – tell me again, your, your follow-up to that? Well, what again? would the Colts and can the Colts, I guess, let's say the Eagles. Let's just use the team that they're in that city of. Eagles have interest in Jonathan Taylor, but they say to the Colts, uh, we want medical files uh, on yeah. Jonathan Taylor. Would and can the Colts reveal that, I guess? Yeah, I, I at minimum, Jonathan Taylor could authorize it and you know to facilitate the trade. That, yeah. that you could do for sure. Um, and, and then obviously what typically happens is oftentimes 
in a trade situation, uh, the acquiring team will conduct a physical, you know, when the player comes over, and and that and the trade is contingent upon the physical, you know, upon him passing the physical. That's generally how that goes, and we have seen trades be reversed because of a guy failing a physical. So that does happen. Uh, so that's that's more likely how that would work. And, and I guess it, in this particular instance, because Jonathan Taylor and his representative are involved in the process, I presume that they can facilitate you know that that information if they so choose. Stephen Holder with us here on the fan at Holder uh, at Holder Stephen. If you want to follow him there on Twitter, he joins us on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. Uh, divvying up blame—that's something that we, uh, you know, have talked about leading up to this. We haven't talked about it today. We've talked about teams and what can uh, the Colts get back and everything else. But you know, you you look at Ursay, you look at the agent of Jonathan Taylor. You know, why not just offer him a deal if it's three years, thirty-nine mil? I know KB's been talking about that beating that drum uh, for quite a few weeks. Do you care, Stephen, at all about who is to blame, divvying up blame, everyone's to blame? Uh, how do you feel about that as, you know, in the next few days we could see the end of the Jonathan Taylor era here in Indianapolis? Well, I'll start by saying it's it's actually a, a pretty sad story, ultimately. You know, if if this ends up happening, it, it's, it's sad, right? I mean, I will say... 2021 was so fun in terms of the, the the part about Jonathan Taylor's success. Now that the way the season ended, that was a whole other story, right? But but just watching Jonathan Taylor in 2021, I mean, it's one of the the more joyful experiences I've had. You know, watching an individual player succeed, it, it was just it was amazing to watch. You know, and and so and to have a front row seat for that, I mean, I had a blast. And I know KB, you were there for that too. And so, you know, if it if it comes to this conclusion, I mean, that's just you know, two years later, that's just really sad. Ultimately, so I'll start by saying that. Um, you know, when it comes to who's at fault, I think it's something I've been saying all along. I think that's part of the the difficulty here is that both sides think they're right, and they both have good points. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. If you're Jonathan Taylor, you got to feel like, hey, man, are you kidding me? You're not even gonna. You're not even gonna try. We're not even gonna talk about an extension. And if you're the Colts, you know you you look at it like, hey, look, we're we're in a transitional period. This is something Chris Ballard has said. We're in a transitional period. New coach. Uh, we had a bad season last year. You were hurt. Look, we're gonna wait. And and I think, you know, that's a very defensible position too. Uh, but you know, again, I go back to if you're Jonathan Taylor, you, you know, it's very easy for you to say, look. You extended Shaquille Leonard with the highest, the, the for, made him the highest paid player at his position when he was on the pup list two years ago. That that's true. Uh, I mean, so you know, everybody has you know, not to mention Quentin Nelson coming off three surgeries and 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 not a great season either. By the way, you know, got a huge contract extension. So I mean, there's there's all these examples in front of you, and then it's your turn, and you you have been a, a great player for your team. And then to to wind up not even being engaged on the contract extension, I mean, I would be indignant if I were Jonathan Taylor. But I also understand the Colts thinking, hey, man, you're on the contract, and, you know, we're telling you to give us time and and be patient with us, and we'll do right by you. So that's a very defensible position, too. I don't know who's at fault, I guess is what I'm saying. No one's at fault. Now, what I would also add is that no one has handled this well. Right. 
Right. That is definitely true. And and that's that's kind of the unfortunate thing about it. This was this was a great match and a great pair. You know, the Colts really identified Jonathan Taylor early in the draft process, traded up to get him. They were thrilled. They were literally thrilled to get him. That was that was genuine. And and to see it now where things are, uh, it's just sad. Stephen, um, it's kind. Of, and by the way, Stephen Holder's with us here, ESPN.com. My last one on the Taylor front. It's kind of amazing to go back, and I remember the scene pretty vividly from Hard Knocks. Chris Ballard sitting in the running backs room with Scotty Montgomery sits there. Scotty Montgomery and is like. Jonathan Taylor is a top five weapon in the NFL. I mean, weapon. He he didn't call him a running back. Called him a a top five offensive weapon. Doesn't get tired. Absolute game changer. I mean, couldn't gush more about Jonathan Taylor. What has changed since then? Is it the four-win season and the challenging of a blueprint from a new head coach? Is that what has changed here? Because I don't think when they drafted him in the second round, had you told him he'd break a franchise record, hadn't torn an ACL or ripped an Achilles apart, you would probably give him a contract extension. So what has changed, do you think, for the Colts? It's You're right, first of all. And, and then you add in Chris Ballard's continual statements that you know we will reward our our homegrown players and they've done that they have there's no evidence that that they are reluctant to do that you know with some with some minor exceptions right you know Bobby Okereke right there there just wasn't a need there and they had they had talent at that position no one no one had a problem with that we understand why he walked but yeah they have been consistently they have consistently rewarded their players and, and stuck to that promise. So it, and, and that's just on top of what you just laid out, you know, how they felt about Jonathan Taylor specifically. So I, I do think there's a couple of possibilities here in terms of when you ask what's changed. Number one, I wonder if, you know, Chris Ballard maybe is, is reshaping how he approaches things. And I don't know how specifically, but, but it's definitely a departure for him. And and I still I ultimately believe this approach is is being driven by Chris Ballard and not Jim Ursay. I have mm. a lot of reason to believe that. I have a lot of evidence that points to that. But is that so, Ballard convincing Ursay? Because we we know. I mean, I think yes. You know, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. I, I think I think I think my perception here, not to get off the subject, but my perception is that that. Jim Irsay is is in agreement, but Jim Irsay is is mostly following uh, Chris Ballard's direction here. That is that is what I believe. Now, you know. So to your question, why is that? Uh, I, I think it's a couple things. Number one, or a couple possibilities. As I said, is, is Chris Ballard changing his approach? Maybe. I mean, he hasn't won anything, right? He's under pressure in the long term. That's true, and the team is at a is at a pivot point. That's true. You know they don't know what they are. Are they rebuilding? Are they retooling? Are they just kind of restocking? I don't know. I don't think they know. That's part of the problem here, right? Who are we as a team? Is is probably what the Colts are trying to find out, and I think that somewhat limits you know your willingness to make future investments. I, I think that's a reality here, and whether you agree or disagree, I, I just think that's. That's a reality that they are dealing with. And, and then someone asked me this, and I can't speak to whether it's true or not, but it's a question. You know, look, 
Chris Ballard, he did have the Shaquille Leonard extension, and and there were some some injury concerns there. I, it you know I'm not saying that Shaquille Leonard was a was a bad investment. I mean I had no problem with that deal, uh, but it you know hasn't necessarily paid off yet. Yeah, it'd be natural right? to have second thoughts. Yeah, and so you you could understand that. I had I had a someone uh, someone actually in a front office asked me that. And, and asked me, he said, do you think this is a product of Chris Ballard being gun shy after mm-hmm. the Leonard deal? And I said, you know, I don't know, but it's a fair question. And, and I think it's food for thought, maybe. You know, I, I don't know. These are the things that I think that you can kind of bounce around in your head. Um, but uh, they're, all, they're all pretty fair questions to, to wonder. Stephen Holder with us, ESPN.com. It's the fan. Um, I, someone asked this. We were kicking this around the office, so I'll bring it. To, I'll bring it to air. Maybe you guys, KB, maybe you figured it out. Is JT? Do we know if he's going to be traveling with the team? And you know, he was going to be in Philly and everything else. Is all of that still happening? Given that now he can go out and seek another team. My understanding, as of last night, was that yes, he was traveling to Philadelphia. So my understanding is that he is there. Yes. So uh, for whatever that's worth, and I don't know what kind of scene that's going to result in today but uh, that's that's my understanding yes well he can uh, he can meet with Howie Roseman uh, the Eagles have all <laughs> the Eagles have all the damn talent anyway Stephen so just throw in uh, throw in another running back uh, there if you want I mean just for me uh, KB I don't know what else you have I mean you know Richardson you know, we've talked about this Anthony Richardson you got to build around your quarterback uh, and now Jonathan Taylor I mean the percentage of him being on this team is was low 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 anyway and now you throw this on top of it uh, and hey you know waivers in the next week what about getting an offensive lineman uh, to me there's the Richardson effect as well that this is just you know Stephen this is not helping out a young coach and a young quarterback in a new regime whatsoever yeah I think that's kind of the the part of this story we, we aren't talking about enough <laughs> you know I mean here is Anthony Richardson he, he doesn't have you know some kind of top five wide receiver as it is I, I think he has a good group but not a great one uh, he's got a, a tight end group that's trying to find itself. Got some talent, but is pretty beat up right now. And you know, the, the kid needs some help. You know, and I, I've, I've been I've been told by some fans, you know, the, that they have kind of they've kind of uh, you know played devil's advocate and said, well, you know, Richardson's running ability was actually going to help Jonathan Taylor more than anything else. I, I reject that completely. <laughs> okay. Mm. I reject that. Now, it, it, it certainly it does make a big difference when your quarterback is a running threat, and that helps your running game. That is true. But ultimately, who are you more afraid of in that scenario? You're more afraid of Jonathan Taylor because you've seen Jonathan Taylor. I mean, Anthony Richardson may ultimately be more of a weapon. I don't know, but but that's that's the point. We don't know, and so uh, you know. And also, by the way, I mean teams are not going to run their their quarterback. 15 or 20 times a game. You, you can see Jonathan Taylor getting the ball 15, 20, 25 times, and and that's 20 times where he has the opportunity to go the distance. So, you know, he's going to have more touches. He ultimately is going to impact the game more as a runner. So I, I think when you talk about impact and, and, and Anthony Richardson and the impact on him – uh, yeah, this has a negative impact on Anthony Richardson. There's no question about it. I, I don't think, and then certainly Shane Steichen. There's no doubt mm-hmm. about that. I mean, is he a better play caller with Jonathan Taylor joining 
Anthony Richardson in the backfield? Absolutely. So no one really wins here if, if Jonathan Taylor ends up going elsewhere. Stephen, we'll end with this and really appreciate your time. I know it's been a super busy 24 well, – it's been a busy month for you here following this this, this, <laughs> this Taylor story, among other things. Um, but you, you tweeted last night, and knowing you, you don't tweet this just to tweet it, but you tweeted, you know, educated opinion that there's a real chance of a trade happening. I guess I'm asking you, care to add anything on that? I mean, like, yeah. you don't say that just to say it. So, I, I guess, is there anything you would like to add on that? Well, I'll, I can just say this. I mean, look, I I don't know what the odds are here. I mean, it's too early to, to know that, right? This is this is going to be a process, and they, they have to engage. The Colts will have to engage with these teams, and, you know, they'll have to bring an offer to them. And, and you know, and it's like anything else, right? It's like, like buying a house. You know what I'm saying? So, you make your offer, and then you get the conversations that go from there. That that's where we are right now. We're in the in the actual offer stage, and then I don't even know if the offers have been made yet. You know, so so we're in the very very early stages of this. Now, what I can tell you is this: I do think there's been, as I do know, there's been a pretty significant engagement from Taylor's camp with other teams. So let's let's, let's put it that way. And so does that mean a deal absolutely happening? No, it doesn't. It just means that that a lot of people, uh, Jonathan Taylor being available got people's attention is what I'm saying. Hmm. So we'll see, you know, we'll see how serious they are about it. But, but Jonathan Taylor's availability got people talking yesterday. That, that I know for sure. Steven, you've been gracious with your time on our airwaves here, especially, again, in the last day or so. So we appreciate that. Appreciate you bumping up a day with uh, the Colts in Philly later today. And uh, we'll chat with you next week. Okay, you got it, guys. That's Stephen Holder right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Again, we typically hear from Stephen on Wednesdays. That's great stuff. Um, but yeah. bumped him up to Tuesday. Nate Atkins is in Philly right now from the star. He's going to join us tomorrow. And again, I know Stephen has been uh, was on both the shows yesterday. So thank him for the time. Uh, one thing, can I react? I know we yeah, let's take yeah. a break. Uh, I want to react to <laughs> are the Colts rebuilding? I mean. Taylor's not here. You have a new coach. You have a new quarterback. You're starting young corners. <laughs> Your offensive line's a question. Are you saying it's, you, it's, you guys it tell sounds me. obvious to Yeah, you? I mean, you guys tell me, what do you think you're doing? Well, and, the, you know? The other thing, I see a lot of people that are like, Taylor signed a contract. He should honor it. I, I just... I don't think it's that easy. It's and like, not. And where were those people when Leonard Nelson, Naeem Hines, Braden yeah. Smith, Grover Stewart got contract extensions? You know, that to me is just not, yeah. oh yeah, you know, it's not. That's people siding with management when they're not management, and it happens in sports at an alarming rate. All right, fun Tuesday, hanging out with you. Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, Mark Dykton hanging out with you on the fan. 93.5-1075. It's the wake-up call. We got you 7 to 10. Query and company at noon. The Godfather, JMV, who I don't know if it's good or bad. At 5.58, all the stories broke with him uh, at 5.58 yesterday. Obviously, we've been talking and appreciate Stephen Holder. May replay some of that coming up uh, in the 9 o'clock hour. I thought he was fantastic, KB, on uh just you know the outlook of J of JT, where he could go, what kind of uh, pool I guess uh, the Colts may look for. It's going to be a busy. What percentage? What kind of time frame do you believe we're looking at here? Oh boy, if it's I give be quick, you, right? if I give you, well, I'm giving you a week. 
It happens on, or does it happen on the weekend? But I mean, you'd have to think uh, selfishly. It'd be great if it happened on a Thursday or Friday for us. <laughs> right, exactly. Maybe at eight. Maybe at eight a.m. would be fantastic. Yeah, let's go six thirty a.m. Um, yeah, it's got to happen soon. You know, I I think throughout the month of. August, we said, okay, where's the timeline? When do decisions need to happen? When, you know, when are we going to get some clarity on this? When are the final grains going to be going through the hourglass? Because right now it seems like there's still a whole lot of grains um, going through that hourglass. Um, a week from today, Andy, four o'clock, you've got to make a decision on the pup list with Taylor. Again, you've got to remove him from that pup list if he's going to play week one. Uh, if not, if he stays on it, then he's out for the least the first four games of the season. So, in the next seven days put the trade thing to the side. You've got to, again, get him off that pup list. Now, there's really not a lot of timelines, I think, in the next like 72, maybe even like 96 hours. Because as we've pointed out, the Colts are getting on the practice field at 10 a.m. today. It's their only practice of the week. Mm-hmm. They got a preseason right. finale on Thursday. Maybe they practice Saturday or Sunday, but that'd be the earliest they get back to practice. So unless Shane Sykin all of a sudden wants to be an open book at noon today, I don't think we're going to get a lot from the Colts on this or, again, Taylor on it. So I guess to answer your question, I would think in the next seven, maybe ten days, we want to stretch it out that far because I'd assume if you're the team doing the trading for Jonathan Taylor, you're going to want him to practice as soon as possible because we're getting to the point, starting this weekend, two weeks from week one. Yeah, and when you mentioned the pup list, you know, it's interesting. We've talked about thus far today, we've talked about him going to good teams. We've talked about the, we've talked about, I don't know, I, I've talked about the Eagles because I just, I would be sick to my stomach if they got him, but we've talked about the Miami Dolphins. Right an hour ago, KB, we talked about the Miami Dolphins, and then you brought up the Arizona Cardinals, okay? Not a good team. They're on the team on the different end of the spectrum, and it's like both of those teams could could be okay with Jonathan Taylor's injury if he does have an injury with him starting on the pup list, right? Because you have one team that's in a full rebuilding mode but in doesn't Arizona. That the trade package, though? Uh, I think it probably has to, yeah. But I mean, that, that's a, that's the situation we're in because we don't know exactly what's happening here. We don't know what that injury looks like. No, and I, I guess I do want to double back on the point I made right before the break of you know, hearing people that say you signed the contract, you must honor it. And I brought up the where were those people talking about Leonard, Nelson, Hines, Braden Smith, right. etc. And Daniel points out here, which is a very fine statement to to say. Daniel goes, How many of those players that you just mentioned held out? Well, none of them did. And again, I would argue that all of them got the extensions or knew they were going to get extensions. Jonathan Taylor's frustration publicly first bubbled in June. All of those guys ended up getting contract extensions that I mentioned. Taylor clearly got an impression for the Colts or was either told by the Colts he wasn't going to get an extension back in the summer, early in the summer, mm-hmm. late spring, I guess you want to get technical. So I think that's where he first had this, oh boy, this is not going to happen. And why did it happen for all those other guys, but it's not going to happen for me. And so I think that's where um, he's first started to have this inkling. And then I go back to the honoring of the whole contract i think (laughs) (laughs) it's a tricky one i think it's twofold because chris ballard has on the ballard epitaph one day it'll say draft and retain 
that is his big mantra. We're going to build with homegrown talent, all of that. We're going to, if you exceed your value on your rookie contract, we're going to re-sign you. That's been his norm throughout his first six years as general manager. And I understand Ballard's thinking on that because when you do that, you obviously build a team and a culture with people that have only been in your NFL building. That is enticing. You also send a message to everybody else in your locker room. If I'm the rookie and you're the veteran and you're Andy Sweeney and you've played for three years in the league and you've outperformed your rookie deal and you're a two-time Pro Bowler and I'm the rookie and I see you get a contract extension three years in, I'm like, damn, I could have sworn I saw him sign a contract that was worth this and now he's making that. I wonder why he is. Oh, wait, he worked hard and he produced and he out outperformed. If I do that, I will get rewarded as well. I, I hate comparing the NFL to like other jobs, but... I guess for our job, Andy, if we hit certain bonuses from a click standpoint on the website or our ratings improve, then we will see a bonus or two. Like That's what happens when you overachieve and you exceed the expectations, the return on investment. And to me, that's what Chris Ballard has done. And that's where Taylor's frustration lies. Again, putting the injury to the side. The Colts, I don't think we're giving him an extension, even if he were healthy. I I, I feel comfortable in saying that. Um, now that camp has reached deeper stages and we're deeper into the month of August, the injury topic has seemingly come up more and more. But when I heard Jim Mersey talk the other night in the booth, I didn't hear any mention Mm-mm. of an injury. So. No. I think you just start calming the waters in the 24 hours. Hey, go find a trade partner. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> basically, I, I I just can't say that he signed a contract four years ago he should honor it there's been numerous examples of guys in that building that have not had to honor all four years of it and at the same time taylor has exceeded that and the colts have the money to spend so i get where taylor is frustrated with that guy reached out on twitter and says maybe the colts are just getting out in front of any pr crisis when he's traded look like it's all jonathan taylor's fault well i would say here that everyone's gonna suffer pr wise Right? There's no one that's coming out of this clean. The no, Colts are no, a worse no, no, team. No. I mean, uh, the only way you calm the waters, Andy, is wouldn't be an extension for Taylor and him staying here? Wouldn't right. that appease Taylor? And I don't think you'd have a lot of gripes from the fan base with that. I know, which is weird because I know a lot of the fan base, I think, sides with management right mm-hmm. now more than anything. But if all of a sudden you got word tomorrow that Jonathan Taylor signed a Go with your contract. Three, three, year, three thir- or 39 million. 39 million. Yeah, go with I your number. I don't think we'd have lit up phone lines of people upset about that. No. No. And again, what Chubb, you got that from Chubb who signed the three year 36, right? 36, so, six, yeah, again, I, what, a year or so ago? Yeah. It, Nick it, Chubb? It was following Chubb because I think they're similar style running backs. They're first and second down guys, you know, similar ages. Um, so, yes, it, it is going off the cap, obviously increasing a little bit, is why I tacked on an extra million on that. One thing Holder talked about, and, and this is like. Like, I wonder this from a, a, a cult standpoint, and I've always said this in my radio career. It's like, us as fans can talk about something. It's easy to talk about something, and then you have to go through it, right? And, I, I mean, are Colts fans ready f- potentially for this season, like, like I'm just I'm asking, are you ready for this season? If Jonathan Taylor, because I even think getting ready, everyone's 
kind of held out hope, haven't you? I mean, maybe you haven't, KB, but I feel like... Just I'll, assuming that well, Taylor would be well, there week that one. He, yeah, that eventually, even if he started the season on the pup list, okay, uh, in the first four games, you know you're not going to be a great team, but you would get him back, uh, and then he would get those numbers in, a, in, a, in, a, in an offense that wants to run the football, and then you can kind of massage things. And it wasn't that kind of maybe, 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 what Ursay was alluding to in the booth on Saturday night that, you know, calmer waters, we can get in a room and we can kind of fit, you know, we can get by this and we can at least figure it out, right, for this season. So this season can make sense. Uh, And that's the way I have viewed it, that, hey, the Colts still hold the trump cards here. You know, they still have more of the power here. And ultimately, we'll see what happens with the trades. But that that's kind of been my thing that our Colts fans, if Jonathan Taylor is not here, and I know Moss can be back, you mentioned week one, week two, whatever it may be, and he's very much a backup running back. Sure, I don't want to compare uh, yeah. the two. No, but, but yeah. you're just saying yeah. there's there's more there than what they have right now. F- fair enough, but what they have is not good at running back. I mean, it's, it's not good enough uh, at running back. So you have a new coach, you have a new system, you have a new quarterback who's got 13 starts, who missed a practice, who uh, didn't play in one preseason game, and good God, now he's up against the Eagles in another preseason game. And you have all of that. You have questions, and rightfully so, all you know, on the offensive line. We just talked about the running backs. Listen, I, I like the wide receivers, uh, you know, enough for the Colts. I mean, yes, obviously they don't have the top wide receiving core in the country. On defense, that's going to be a little bit of a question. You're very young uh, at the corner position. I don't know. I mean, I, I just it's easy to kind of say these things, and we always do this. We do well, best case scenario. And I think there are some best case scenarios, you know? I mean, Pittman's a really good player. Downs is a good player. The maturation of Richardson. There's going to be guys I'm not talking about that are going to pop this season. They're like, damn, this is a pretty good player. Okay, the Colts got something here, and it might be a draft pick. It might not. Um, but I just, I feel like, I, I feel like you better hunker down a little bit. And, and and is it a rebuild? I mean, if it's not a rebuild, what, what would it be? And then we, last thing on this. We were going to talk about this today, but things happen with Jonathan Taylor. You were going to ask me, because on the air last week, I had mentioned multiple times I'm a Richardson guy. Yeah. Uh, and you, and that's one thing we were going to talk about. And one of my reasons uh, what you know, with Richardson was, dude, you're starting over. Like, I view it as, yes, you have talent. Everyone's got some talent. People do this in the NBA. You guys have seen some good NBA and you've seen some bad NBA, okay? Well, someone's got to average 20 points a game on a bad NBA team. <laughs> someone's got to someone's got to catch the ball on a bad football team or run the football on a bad you know on a mediocre football team like I I think the Colts are at the I I think the Colts are at the beginning of 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 a lot of this uh that that's how you know if you want to call that a rebuild you can um you don't have to if it makes you feel better but there is a serious retooling here letting Ballard do that that's a question do you give someone else money early like a Pittman do you give him money I mean these are things that we yeah. can t- that we can talk about given that you have money but you wake up today and the chance of having Jonathan Taylor has went down percentage points quite a bit since you know maybe a week ago maybe five days ago maybe two days ago let's uh l- l- let's get to brian mark you said the uh, brian uh, believes the colts are wrong in this situation uh, brian uh thoughts on jonathan taylor and this colts drama well I, I think it all goes back to the owner and when you have a owner that's not very smart your owner is supposed to hire or d- does hire 
their managers. Their managers do their job. Well, if your manager is smarter than the owner and he convinces him that what he's doing is right, like you said on not signing Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor to the three-year $39 million deal, Ballard convinces him because he doesn't know any better. I, I just think it starts all the way at the top because listening to the owner at the game the other night talking about Jack Nicholas's putter, who cares? <laughs> I forgot he mentioned Nicholas's putter. I wouldn't mind seeing that, by the way. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. A lot of talk about Wales and Nicholas's putter and probably not a lot of Jonathan Taylor <laughs> contract talks here. I, going back to the – and on the Ursa front, I do think there's an element, and we can get into this a little bit more, Andy, of – he wants to carry the CBA flag. He wants to carry the owner flag with this. And you don't say, want to be the. You don't want to be the Browns. Exactly with what they he did with Deshaun so Watson. So upset with the Haslam family sure he was. And, and how they guaranteed the the full contract for Watson and the precedent that potentially sets now moving forward. And he doesn't want to do that at the running back spot. I do think the Taylor frustration is this, Andy. From afar, last year you saw it. Hopefully you didn't watch it very often. But I guess you did see it when your Giants played the Colts in one of the last games of the season. The Colts are one of the most historically inept offenses we've seen in this league in quite some time last season. Stats back that up. They were incredibly incompetent. Jonathan Taylor's the fifth highest paid player on the offense. Right. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor's the yeah. fifth highest paid player on the Colts offense. I mean, I don't think if we did a poll right now and named the Colts best offensive player, Jonathan Taylor would get seventy five percent of the vote. Quentin Nelson would get twenty percent, and five percent of people would just vote for other people just to be. <laughs> oh, I think it would be higher than that. Be with Jonathan Taylor, like, right? It's that is where the frustration lies, and so um, I think I understand that side of it. And to me, you're in such a critical juncture with Anthony Richardson. That's where my worry is of, are you risking him walking into a situation where you're not supporting him enough? These are conversations we got in in recent weeks, but Andy, like when Ursay first talked about this, the night of the trade request, and he brought up Marshall Falk and he brought up Edger and James, to me, I can't make those comps right now because comparing Peyton Manning year one with Marshall Falk or year eight with Edger and James exiting... That is laugh out loud to compare Manning to Richardson. Because that's what you're doing. Well, let me give you another one. Steichen was just with the Eagles. Everyone's going, well, you know, and I've even said this. Well, he coached Jalen Hurts. Now he can coach Anthony Richardson. I, I mean, the, the Eagles have a loaded roster around Jalen Hurts. And they let Miles Sanders walk, but they still have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard. Any of those three well, they players. they went on got Swift as well, too. Any of those three would walk into Indy and be the best well, skill on. player. So yeah. that's where, again, the cupboard has got to be somewhat stocked. Manning had it very stocked, even with moving on from Falk. Because they what did they do? They turned around and they drafted Edrin to pair mm-hmm. with Marvin and obviously had Tart Glenn. And then when Edrin walked, or, or the, the Colts let him walk, I guess, you know, seven years into his career, whatever it was, you had Marvin, you had Reggie, you had Dallas, you drafted Joseph Adai in that next year. And again, we're talking about Peyton Bleep and Manning exiting college versus Anthony Richardson is it exiting college. Is it fair to ask, and by the way, if you want to hop in, 317-239-1070, is it, is it is unfair for me to ask what, what the coaching staff thinks of Jonathan Taylor? No, I, I think the question that I asked Stephen Holder, and let's get into this a little bit on the other side. The question I asked Stephen Holder, what has changed? I brought up the Hard Knocks clip. I think a lot of our audience 
will remember that of Chris Ballard and Scotty Montgomery sitting in that running back room and they're watching film of Taylor and it's just two football you can just tell two football guys having a conversation Ball. and all of a sudden <laughs> Ballard just sitting there and he's like he is a top five offensive weapon in this league he gets better as the game goes along he's just an absolute playmaker and for it to now be here what has changed and I do think to your point a presence of Sykin, a challenging of philosophy. Four and twelve and one has hit you. Well, Shaquille the, Leonard's the, got hurt. There, yeah. There's a the lot running back storyline. Yeah, I think you can point to in the last eighteen months or so. 